February 12th. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will be from the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 15 through 31. Yesterday, we began giving you Jesus as the example to follow when you suffer unjustly. We learned yesterday that he did not reply when he was accused. Today, in this passage of Scripture, we'll learn that he did not retaliate when abused. He had the power to destroy those who mocked him. In fact, legions of angels would have delivered him. All he had to do was call upon them. But it was the Father's will that he suffer as he did. And Jesus was obedient to his Father's will. There is a a great example and lesson in the use, or in this case, the non-use of power. One of the reasons, one of the main reasons that God does not give certain individuals power is simply because they would use it over others, to lord it over others for uh, their own building up, to build their own empires. And that's why God withholds power from some who actually seek after it. Remember, Jesus did not use his power when he could. The temptation, of course, is we would say, well, we wouldn't use our power either. We would uh, hold it in reserve. But then when we're faced with abuse and accusations, uh, the temptation to use power would simply be far too great. Let's find out how he handled all of this as we read now in the New Testament. February 12th, Matthew chapter 27. Verses 15 through 31. Now it was the governor's custom to release one prisoner to the crowd each year during the Passover celebration, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious criminal in prison, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the Jewish leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, Leave that innocent man alone, because I had a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and other leaders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So when the governor asked again, Which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back their reply, Barabbas! But if I release Barabbas, Pilate asked them, What should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And they all shouted, Crucify him! Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the crowd only roared the louder, Crucify him! Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere, and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water, and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this man. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, We will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to crucify him. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire battalion. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They made a crown of long, sharp thorns 
and put it on his head. And they placed a stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery, yelling, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him, and grabbed the stick, and beat him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. Extreme disappointment. Ever notice how no one gets depressed when everything is going right? I mean, who really needs God when you've got money in the bank and the bills are paid and everyone's health is good and your wife has a good job and you're playing golf twice a week? That's just as good as it gets. And then comes the loss of your job and your business fails or there's a broken marriage or you don't have an x-ray and there's a tumor and the tumor is cancer or there's a bankruptcy or there's a crisis with your grown children and there's a tragic death. And here comes, here comes depression charging you like a ravenous lion. Suddenly you need God. I want you to hear this. The God of heaven is not a convenient store. He's the God who is God all the time and not part of the time. He's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He's not someone you run to when your rich aunt fails you, or your lawyer fails you, or your money runs out, or your dearest friend betrays you. He is your burden bearer all the time. He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother all the time. He is your deliverer all the time. He is your fortress and your shelter all the time. He is the great shepherd and the great physician all the time. Jesus Christ is the answer all the time. When you call, he said, I will answer all the time. He's the God who cannot fail all the time. Our God is an awesome God all the time. Give him praise in the house of God. Psalm 33, verses 12 through 22. We'll hear about God's Word in history. Yesterday, we learned about God's Word in worship and His Word in creation. In this passage, we'll learn about His Word in history. The nations may confederate and rebel against God, but His Word will prevail. Military strength is no guarantee of success. God has a plan for the nations, and He will fulfill it. And we'll also learn about God's Word in your life. The Word that created and controls the universe can also control your life. When you trust His Word and obey it, all the universe works for you. 
God is real big on obedience. There's a principle that is just as sure as gravity, and the principle is this. Obedience brings blessing. When you abandon that word, all the universe works against you, and you end up mad at God. Never fear the will of God, because it comes from the heart of God. It was Henny Carmichael who wrote, Blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall enjoy much peace. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, if you stay your soul on God, nothing can keep you from that clearness of spirit, which is life and peace. In that stillness, you will know what His will is. That's a promise. You will know. Psalm 33, verses 12 through 22. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people He has chosen for His own. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From His throne He observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts, so He understands everything they do. The best-equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear Him, those who rely on His unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We depend on the Lord alone to save us. Only He can help us, protecting us like a shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we are trusting in His holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Wisdom has built her spacious house with seven pillars. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines, and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Come home with me, she urges the simple. To those without good judgment, she says, Come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your foolish ways behind, and begin to live. Learn how to be wise.